All right, welcome to episode three of Around the Bar. This episode, we are joined by Daniel Lill. He's a graphic design artist with our firm, D. Miller & Associates PLLC. He's an integral part of our marketing team and has a passion for his role. He's also a native Houstonian, an avid sports fan, and a supporter of our local team. Welcome to Around the Bar, the podcast series where we talk about the law, life, culture, and hopefully have some fun. I'm your host, Ramesh Raghun. Daniel, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Thank you for, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to be a part of this podcast. So look, um, you know, I did a little introduction of who you are and kind of, you know, what you do, but why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where did you go to school? Where'd you grow up? Things like that. Yeah, so I was born and raised here, Pasadena, Pearland area, a little bit farther down. For school, I went to Catholic school, actually. Okay, me I too. To, I went to um, Our Lady of Guadalupe okay. in downtown Houston. And I went there from fifth to eighth grade. And then I graduated from there. And then I went to Yes Prep, which is like a charter school system that's known for focusing college, pushing that a lot. Okay. And uh, Yes Prep, and that was where you went to high school and, yeah. and graduated? From ninth grade to twelfth grade. Yeah. Excellent. What type of charter school is Yes Prep? Is it focused? Uh, you, I know you mentioned that it's focused primarily on getting you ready for college, but did they have any disciplines that they were, you know, focused on or centered around? Yeah, I mean, kind of. They were more like focused on engineering and that kind of stuff. So I kind of like stuck out because for me, I was the artist type. Mm -hmm. So everyone's really into math and physics and science, and I'm over here taking AP English and AP art classes <laughs> that's what i i really grew towards because i was like always an artist i always drew stuff from an early age now you you said uh when you were at yes prep did you play any sports there did they have a sports program or anything like that the school was small so there wasn't really that big of a sports scene they did a lot of basketball that was like the the biggest thing but i wasn't a i've never really been a basketball player or fan at that time so i was always in baseball i was in baseball I did t-ball when I was younger, and then I did baseball all the way up till middle school. And I actually got to um, play against Craig Biggio's team. Oh, wow. Because I was in a Catholic school, and they were, I think they were in a Catholic school, too. St. Thomas. He coaches at yeah, St. Thomas. St. Thomas. Thomas, yeah. And then so we ended up having a game against them, and Biggio was there, and all the kids were freaking out. <laughs> like, we got autographs and stuff. Oh, that's crazy. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I went to Strake Jesuit, which is yeah. uh, St. Thomas's main rival. Oh. <laughs> which is an all-boys Catholic school, so just like St. Thomas. Yeah. So our biggest games in all our sports were against St. Thomas. Those were the games that mattered. <laughs> yeah, like the football ones. Especially the football ones. I, I... So you told me that when you were in school, you know, you always had an interest towards art. Is that kind of how that got you led into what you do now, like graphic design? Yeah, the initial start of it. Okay. So like... I took art classes at Yes Prep and I was just naturally good at it and I would do stuff without any lessons or any art lessons or anything like that and then just be like how'd you do that <laughs> <laughs> so that that's like where my interest started and then at Yes Prep we actually we would take field trips during the year to colleges and like we would travel to different states for that so we went on a spring trip to the Savannah College of Art and Design which is the school I ended up 
transferring to later on in life. Whenever I went there, I got to see like, they don't really tell you this in high school. Like they don't tell you about all these art classes in like graphic design and motion design because engineering, doctor, lawyer, physicist, mm -hmm. you know, that, those kind of jobs. They don't really like tell you about becoming a graphic designer or a motion designer or a special effects artist or all these unique areas. But they're kind of more prominent now, but back then they weren't. Influencers are things and YouTubers are things, so people need those kinds of creators a lot more now. Well, it's interesting you say that because even where I went to college, I went to college at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, and it's located right with the Cleveland Institute of Art and the mm -hmm. Cleveland Art School. So our student body was kind of integrated. So, you know, for example, in my fraternity, we had a number of art students. And there, I would say that their discipline and what they took has changed so much from over time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the advent of, you know, computers and yeah. how we use computers for, for all of these kind of tasks. What kind of got you involved with getting into the, the sub, you know, the subspecies of uh, what you said, like motion design? Actually, all throughout high school and even after I graduated high school, I wasn't really like aware of that much of it. I don't know. I guess like my inspiration to start getting involved was with the sport. Because mm -hmm. I would see like all these cool graphics on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. And I'm like, dang, I kind of want to do that. And then I'd see like animations and stuff like that or like hype videos and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. I was born in 96. So then I kind of went through like the Disney Renaissance era of animation. Because at first I wanted to be an animator. I was like, I want to bring stuff to life. I want to like draw things and then make them come alive. Mm -hmm. But that avenue is kind of really difficult to get into. Like it's so hard to get a job at Disney as an animator because it's just so saturated. I think motion design and graphic design is a, is a area where like you could still do that kind of stuff, but anywhere in any business because everyone needs marketing, everyone needs promotion of their brand. So I guess that's what led me to go towards that direction more. And it's interesting because you're you're absolutely right about that. There's been a complete change in the way we go about marketing, um, marketing brands, marketing services, marketing your company. I grew up a little bit before you because I graduated high school in 94. So in 96, I was a sophomore in college, sophomore becoming a junior. And we noticed the definite change, not only in the overall quality, but just the proliferation of it being immersed into society. I watched that, you know, especially in the late Part of the 2000s, especially during the 2010s, it kind of you know completely exploded. What I've seen now is that there's, or at least let me ask you this: Do you find that there's a lot more opportunity than there used to be, or at least you start because what you say really rings true. Those kind of uh, career paths were were very specific and very difficult because there were so many limited avenues. Mm -hmm. Now, with it being a little bit more immersed completely into our culture, do you find that there's a lot more avenues and a lot more ways for you to get, to, get through? Yeah, I would say there is. There's just more options now, I guess. Like I said earlier, there's content creators that can live off of streaming on Twitch, video game stuff, or just some people just stream their life and they make millions of dollars doing it. But they hire like video editors and people that run their social media and all that kind of stuff. With COVID in 2020, I think it got even bigger because in remote jobs, people creating, having to do stuff at home. You know, one of the things I, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this. 
everybody knows with the advent of AI, chat GPT, mm -hmm. Dolly, and I don't think people truly understand its real effect, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people you'll hear say, well, AI is going to take over and you're going to lose your job to AI. But what I've, what I've come to learn is that you're not going to lose your job to AI. You're going to lose your job to someone who knows how to use AI. Exactly. You know? That's exactly it. <laughs> and, and I feel like it's infiltrated almost every, every avenue, every space, every kind of industry. Mm -hmm. There's some applicability to AI, right? Yeah. So specifically for you, Maybe ChatGPT is not it, but Dolly would be something that you would use, right? Is Dolly the image creator AI? There, there's many of them. Okay. But the way I use AI, because I obviously like, I have to catch up <laughs> or like keep up or be ahead even. So what I do, Photoshop has a beta program where it's a beta app where they're testing stuff. So they have like their own integrated AI. Right now, it's not that great, honestly. Okay. <laughs> like a lot of them, people that generate AI images someone will see it and be like, oh, that was made in AI. People already know that. But the same holds true for something when people generate, say, written text. I mean, when, mm -hmm. when I read a letter, yeah. I can immediately tell you, hey, this is chat GPT. Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting, I think. We're saying it's going to take over, but everyone can already tell. Even on um, Twitter, they have these pages, and then everyone in the comments is like, this was definitely AI. Stop using AI. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what, look, and I'll, just from a personal perspective, I will tell you, the way I'm able to kind of just be like, hey, that's chat GPT, is that the AI has a one, it has a one certain style of writing, mm -hmm. okay? So once you're able to kind of recognize that, yeah. you can. And then for me, it's very superfluous with all its words. It's, there's just, it, it, they say things in five sentences that you could say in one, yeah. and it, it becomes very noticeable when you're reading because you're reading a bunch of uh, text and there's not much substance to it. So that's kind of how I know. But what I think the key is, is that people use that as their framework and mm -hmm. then move forward. Yeah. But I'm really interested in this AI with the image creation because... For example, concert posters, when you go to a concert, they'll have a poster for that event, right? Mm -hmm. And it's usually something to do with the band and they'll kind of with something to do with the city, right? And they'll put together some image by an artist. There has been a rise of AI generated concert posters mm -hmm. and some of them are really, really good, you know? And then some of them look very, AI. Ge very <laughs> generic AI. Yeah. How, how does that image creation work? How do you get, like, tell me a little bit about that. If you go on Google and you type in AI image generator, there's hundreds of results that come up. And yeah. some are better than others. But like with that poster, you can make the visuals part. But there's no way, I don't think there's any way right now for you to type in all the band names and all that stuff. You still need the graphic designer to take that AI image and then put all the information on it. Okay. So that's where you still need someone that knows how to use the AI. And then you still need someone that knows how to put it all together make it cohesive and then also make it look good. Yeah, and, and I, I'm assuming that it's gonna, you know, it works the same way as the, the chat GPTs work, right? Every day it's gonna get better because every day it's accumulating more information from mm -hmm. which it, it can draw to. What are some of the challenges that you see with, with AI, specifically with your job? I, I don't think it's in like a, a spot right now. There's like so many glitches and bugs in it still. So like, let's say I'm making a graphic of you or something, or Darren. I have you, and then I want to change what your shirt looks like. You can like 
select your shirt and then ask in the prompt, change it to a suit or a Hawaiian shirt. And then it'll do it, but then there'll be like missing fingers. And you can you can keep going, but you have to like refine it over and over again okay. until it finally gets it right. And then sometimes it's, it's just not even worth it. And I'm like, I could have done that myself. I've just gotten a shirt off stock websites. And then I could have just done it in Photoshop myself in like 10 minutes. But I hope it gets to a point where I can just go swap out your shirt. I've seen this question asked on Reddit so many times. Like a while ago when AI was getting bigger, everyone's like, is it going to take our job? Like, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And then everyone's just like, it's just a tool. So that's how we're taking it. That's how we're using it. And it's just, it's changing it all the time. But right now, I think it's more of a tool that we use to make it easier. But it's not really like press one button and it's doing everything for you. Not yet, at least. Understood. <laughs> now, you know, AI and its, its uses and its use as a tool is kind of at the heart, right, of the writers and uh, the, and the Screen Actors Guild strike, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. that's been going on. Uh, I know that that is a real contentious issue between, you know, the the production houses and then the actual artists and writers that um, mm-hmm. create content, right? And for them, I can, I can see that struggle. But you know, AI, is, the thing that's crazy about it is, for example, even at its in its native state, right? I, I am able to, because when I first started to mess with it, I was like, you know, give me a show that has two people who, you know, like each other. There's a third love interest. I need two plot twists and something that will bring you back for a second episode. It will spit out an entire script yeah, for in you. In seconds. In seconds, in a story, <laughs> as a story. And sometimes it's not, it's not bad. <laughs> sometimes it's not, but sometimes it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think that's what you're saying about the development, right? It's going to yeah. continually get It'll better. better. It'll get better. A law did go into effect not too long ago, which said that any AI content that had no human involvement cannot be copyrighted. Wow. I'm the lawyer. I need to find this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, did, I read about it somewhere because I've been keeping up with it. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw that. But I don't know if that's just for art or music. Also, like with AI imagery, a lot of the times it's when you type in a prompt, it's pulling images from the internet that come from other artists that actually made those things. That so, actually organically drew them. Yeah, and then that's why Adobe, they decided to make their own and say, our AI only uses stock images that are owned by us. And that was their workaround for it. But then at the same time, they're like, oh, you can't use this for copyrighted material either. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a gray area right now. Yeah. And, and no it, one knows. It absolutely is. So, you know, all of that being said, how do you use AI in your job daily? I don't use it daily all the time. I have used it, though. Mm-hmm. But most of it is just like filling in space because it's really good at that right now. That's like the best thing. Like, say, like I have an image of someone, but the image is like square, right? Mm-hmm. But then the canvas that I want to fill up is like this big. Mm-hmm. But obviously there's nothing there. Like, if, if it's just you in that chair. You can fill in the complete background. That picture, yeah. I'll select and then I'll put, hey, I fill in the rest of it. And then it'll add a window or like a desk. Or and, you could do the city of Houston yeah, in the background. Like I, I, you could take one skyscraper and then circle it, tell it to fill in the rest, and it'll do it. And that's mostly what I use it for right now. Honestly, all the other stuff is not that great. Well, I have used it to put some sunglasses on Darren. (laughs) 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 But a lot of times I'm like, that's a weird pair of sunglasses. I don't know. You know, it looks like AI sunglasses. So do you you find yourself and do you see people in your position trending in this direction, learning how to use this? Yes. (laughs) 
I keep up with like the Reddit's a lot. I'm on Reddit all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm a Twitter guy. Twitter guy? I'm on both. (laughs) (laughs) On the Reddit, the graphic design Reddit, they're always talking about AI too. Because obviously they want to help each other out. The main consensus that they came up with was that AI is a tool and that if you don't learn it, you're going to fall behind. It's going to become the standard. You're going to need to to know how to use this if you want to be able to be competitive. Yeah, it's like learning a new program that you have to know. Like people learning Photoshop, like obviously you have to know Photoshop if you want to be a graphic designer. AI is just one another program that you have to learn. Well, there, it's, it's interesting because even in, you know, I know we've spent some time here talking about it specifically in kind of your realm, right? Mm-hmm. It's interesting how, how it is becoming such a big part of what we do here, here at the law firm, right? And, you know, some of the capabilities of being able to say, feed in, like if you're, if you have a case, right, and you're deposing a witness, right, you can feed in that deposition transcript and ask it or prompt it to find inconsistencies, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could say, you know, we could feed in a whole course of treatment, right, medical records, you know, uh, the the entire course of treatment and ask uh, the AI to find, you know, the time, any, any patterns or any gaps or anything that, you know, maybe we didn't notice, right? Uh, yeah. Like varying pain degrees or, or, or varying chief complaints, you know, or inconsistencies in reporting. So, you know, there's just so much that it has the capability to do mm-hmm. that I, you know, I wonder where we are in terms of the breaking point where it changes everything, right? Yeah. You know, because there was a time when, for example, there was a time when everybody had a desktop, right? Mm-hmm. Now, nobody has desktops. It's all laptops or yeah. even even less than that. It's all iPads and, yeah. and, and phones. I mean, and the functionality of these products have, have gotten so much better too. Mm-hmm. So, but, it, but, you know, it's crazy. AI is all-encompassing. Uh, it's interesting how it's affected kind of every aspect, especially every avenue of your, you know, of your profession and what you do. Interesting. Interesting. So let me ask you this. What, and we'll, we'll wrap up the AI discussion with this. How how do you see AI evolving in your world in graphic design? Like what, what do you see is the, the, the biggest next trend that's going to happen? I think AI video is something that's probably going to start involving itself more because right now there's not really like i've seen some ai commercials and they're kind of scary because mm-hmm. there'll be like people missing eyes and stuff and <laughs> it's, it's really crazy but but these are unrefined commercials right this is straight you this put is it just in, like it, spit it out yeah. yeah this is just like testing people okay. trying it out seeing if it works which it kind of doesn't really okay. but people are finding like workarounds there's going to be people finding out new ways how to use it unique creative ways of doing it and using it that no one knows and then people are going to copy that and it's going to become trends and that's just that's how it's always been but now it's with ai yeah uh, you know it, it's interesting you 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 say video is the way it's going to go because if you remember uh well you, i guess you were probably a little bit young for this when the internet first started becoming very popular like mid 90s to late 90s right there was very little video content, right? And what happened in the early 2000s was a number of these companies we started delivering their content through short video, right? And I personally have, have seen now primary source of content uh, when you go to read content 
it's all video and mm-hmm. especially in sport right like if you when i used to go to espn.com and this is a perfect segue into what we're going to talk about <laughs> next but you know when i used to go to espn.com it used to always be articles you used to just read you used to click and read yeah. now when you click on a story it's all a, it's a two and a half minute video yeah there's very little like actual writing anymore it's it's all um you know video yeah. content or like links i see a lot of links a lot of times to like twitter like in these articles now they're referencing tweets by people yeah and then they have like videos of that but like especially in, in in sports you know you know like the the other day i remember i was just i was on twitter and i was looking at like some fantasy advice because i had a fantasy draft right and I, you know, I'm not in a place where I can listen to this video, right? I'm either, you know, I'm sitting in a car with people or something like that. And I, I was hoping that I could just read something. Yeah. And <laughs> I was getting a little bit frustrated because now everything in sports, ha- you know, it's all video content. Yeah. It's complete video content. Twitter's my go-to if I need any type of information, whether it's politics, yep. whether it's local news, whether it's, you know, something I'm interested in, whether it's sports. You know, I'll give you an example. The other day, I turned on the the soccer game Manchester United Arsenal, and I the score was already one one, right? And I knew I had missed the goals. I just went to Twitter, I put in United goal Arsenal, and boom, I there it was. I got to see. You know, you don't miss anything, right? You never miss anything now. <laughs> yeah, with the uh, social media, everything, even like alternate angles and stuff. Yeah, it's all there. It's interesting. And now I know that you have a, a, a real passion for sports, just like I do. Let's talk about your, your favorite teams. Are they all Houston? All Houston teams, probably. Okay, good. If you had to rank them. Before the Astros were a dynasty, it was the Texans number one, but now it's the Astros number one. Really? Well, I was a big Astros fan in like 2005, but I was like eight years old. Okay. And I can barely remember that World Series. So at least I don't get to feel the pain of being swept. Yeah. But I still remember going to the games. I still remember BGO, like a lot of chanting of BGO. Yes. And all that. I remember seeing Andy Pettit and Bagwell and Berkman and all that. That was like my introduction to the Astros. The Killer Bees, I remember that stuff. That was really cool. Excellent. Uh, so, you know, same for, for me growing up, it used to be the Oilers were, you know, but my whole life, it, the Astros have always been, that's my squad of squads, right? Mm-hmm. And there have been a lot of lean years. Um, but, you know, I do remember the, the 0405 uh, times because that was, you know, at the time was the pinnacle for that, for our franchise. You know, when, when I was going through school, we had never won a playoff series you know uh yeah i mean we that's didn't crazy our, to compare to now <laughs> yeah we had never won a playoff series we didn't win our first postseason series till 04 um wow. and they had been in the playoffs in 80 86 you know 97 98 yeah. 99 01 but you know they were always they were always losing in, in the in the first round what are your thoughts on the season so far 2023 it's been rough it's been rough but at the same time they've been like maintaining it you know with all the injuries they have and everything, we're now first. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I will. I will absolutely agree with you with that. I, I think a little bit from from an Astros fan perspective, I think that we're we are a little bit spoiled in the sense that, you know, when you win 105 games, 106 games, 103 games, to now looking at winning potentially 88 to 92 games. It changes your perspective because you're just so used to winning on a nightly basis. And now when you're, you, you just keep dropping all of these games, you, you find it frustrating. I think what 
2023 has been for for me as an Astros fan it's been wow it's been so difficult because I really wanted them to just get out of the gate you know start beating on everybody it's like nothing has gone right this year everything like, went wrong yeah nothing <laughs> has gone right this year but yet like you said here we are we're in we're in first place just inevitable <laughs> and it's crazy because the it's an absolute true pennant race. Every day matters. Every day, the entire standings yeah. change. I was telling my friend this, that the last 30 games of the season is pretty much the playoffs starting already. Yeah. Like half of the games, I think, towards the end of the season are against the, the Mariners or the Rangers. Yeah. And it's like so close. The Rangers are actually out of playoffs right now. For the first time. Yeah. Since like April, I think. And that is crazy because they were just first not that long ago. Yeah. And then the Mariners went on a crazy winning streak. The Rangers went on a historical losing streak <laughs> and then just flip upside down. And flipped upside down. And then the Ashes were just maintaining it, slowly climbing, you know. But haven't you felt like, you know, there have been so many opportunities for this year's team to really just put this race away? You know, it, it just even if you think about it, this Yankee series, if they would have won even one of those games, the difference now would be huge. And, it, it, you know, it seems like every time they've had an opportunity to really separate themselves or take advantage of things, they, they have not. You know, these last two games, you can't complain. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I mean, to answer to that, I guess, I mean, like, if I was on Twitter, you already know that it's Dusty's fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, Daniel, I was absolutely going to get there um, because. You know, Dusty's lineups are a, a scent, a, a, you know, they're, they are a source of real aggravation because, you know, do you understand the, his, his thinking, you know, yeah. it's, it, it, it's like, you know, we can talk about Diaz and McCormick, right, specifically. It's amazing. Those guys can have really good games and then they're sitting the next day. Benched. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we've been super lucky that Dubon has actually way outperformed expectations. Crazy that that guy took up like that. I remember at the beginning of the season, I'm like, man, we're bringing Dubon back? Why? I don't know. He was a zero, and then all of a sudden, he's Altuve. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't unreasonable to think that outside of maybe Mrs. Dubon, there was nobody who supported him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm happy for him, though. Hey, I'm I, so I, glad that he did that. I am, too. I am, too. And, you know... The whole Maldonado thing—it's—it's really—it's really an interesting look at at this new baseball versus old baseball, right? Yes. Because you know the Dusty, we all know, is a, an old school manager, very right? old school. And I sometimes wonder: Do these pitchers really want him to play all the time? I don't understand it. That's what they're saying, but I don't know. I—it's I, hard for me to wrap my mind around like. Their stats are almost the same, like defensively. Even Diaz is even better. Maldi is last place, or he's first and balls passed. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's the worst. Yeah. And there's something about him maybe in the clubhouse that we don't know. That's probably it. There's something, some kind of connection maybe. I'm hoping Diaz can just end up taking over at least next year. Well, you know, and it's interesting you say that because, you know, I was having a conversation with my friend who was like, who said the same thing. He was like, there's absolutely no legitimate reason why Diaz should not be playing over Maldi. And I said, do you think for even a second when the playoffs start in the postseason 
Is there any chance Maldonado's not going to be the catcher? Of course he is. Of, of, of course he's going to be the he's catcher. He's going to be the catcher, definitely. You know? <laughs> I am glad, though, that they've gotten rid of this whole personal center fielder because every time Verlander was pitching, they had Dubon out in center field. Yeah, <laughs> and, you that's know. true. But he's been kind of killing it in center field, I'm not going to lie. He, he, he had an amazing catch yesterday. Yeah. Diving catch. It was really nice. And, and, and he played some he played some stellar center field even in the Yankee series that that we got you know that we got swept in. We've been lucky with Dubon. I think we've been really unlucky with Abreu. Um, well, give me your thoughts, Jose Abreu. What did you think? Man, he had a rough start, but <laughs> I don't know. I think he kind of picked it up kind of recently, but then he got injured, and then now he's back. But I heard that from a tweet that said that he was like wearing a back brace every time he starts now. I think he's hurt. He's I think hurt. he's been hurt. He is hurt. I think he was hurt at the beginning of the year. I think he's one of those guys who yeah. hasn't complained about it. But, you know, it's a results-oriented business. And the fact that yeah. he was batting fourth all the way through August. That's I mean, crazy. He was one of the worst players in baseball. He was. But, look, one of the things I feel like, well, I do think that winning the division is, of a, you know, that has to be the priority. Because mm -hmm. if you look at it, yeah, objectively, okay. If we don't win the division, we are on the road for a wild card series, right? That is three games that's either going to be in Tampa, Minnesota, Baltimore, right? It's going to be one of those mm -hmm. one of those teams, okay? And you're going to line up your pitching for that series, right. and then if you get out of that, and mind you, there's no home games, right? Because all the games will be on the road. It's three game series. You then have to go into the DS with your rotation starting on the back end. Yeah. So and our starting I mean our pitching in general has been our weakest I guess our weakest spot. But they're kind of doing well right now. Yeah. Well they also had so we went from a a a, a thing of you know really really superb depth to all of a sudden within like one week we lost garcia for you know a year and a half we lost mccullers we lost mccullers we lost our kitty for a while i know our kitty's back now um you know montero had his struggles and uh, mayton and mayton <laughs> both struggling and yeah. abreu and abreu and stanick you know yeah, all those stanicks yeah, all those stanicks hurt now but it's mm -hmm. good to see montero's back um you know presley's been kind of he's been presley he's blown a couple of games, but you know he's been lights out for the majority of uh, the of the season. So you know, there's there's no debate there as to what you know where and and where do you use him, right? Mm -hmm. So, but let me ask you this: if they get in, and I think they're they're pretty solid to get in. What do you think? Do you think they make a run? I think the way they're playing right now, they can definitely, and they will. If they if they keep playing how they're playing right now, it's World Series. Mm -hmm. But injury or, you know, they go cold somehow. I don't know. That's what, see, that's what makes me afraid is because, like, if you look, I mean, this is a, a, a perfect, you know, a, a perfect little microcosm of the season, right? Is mm -hmm. that that Yankee series over Labor Day weekend, that, that, that was awful, right? I mean, the bats were cold. They looked bad. They couldn't generate any offense. And then immediately, the, these last two days, they've scored two touchdowns each game. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> It, what what scares me is that okay, let's say they get in. If they go cold in three games, they're out. I mean, they could be they could be out in two games, right? Yeah. You know, you could lose two games real quickly. But if they get hot, there's going to be no stopping them. 
Well, um, look, I know that we're kind of moving through things. A uh, couple, couple more questions on the Astros. Were you happy about Justin Verlander coming back? Initially, I was kind of like upset about it because prospects that we gave up. Okay, understandable. And I was like, wow, we're going to get rid of two of, I mean, one of them at least was one of the best ones. We just got him in the draft. Yeah. But also we did need pitching depth. We needed him. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing pretty well. Yeah. And I mean, how can you say no to Justin Verlander? It's like guaranteed Hall of Famer. Yeah. And well, he's, he's still pitching well. So. And, and like where I, I understand that I've always been, I didn't want him to leave at the beginning of the year because I, I felt like we needed that veteran kind of leadership ace. And, mm-hmm. you know, he just moved the pitching rotation down a spot, right? Everybody just moved down a spot. But I did feel that when we got him, while the price was steep, the fact that we got him for what we're going to have to pay in terms of, of money. And this is our window, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys that we that we traded, I was willing to take the risk that they weren't going to come in here and blow up the MLB, right, immediately. So I yeah. was I was willing to take kind of take on that 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 risk. Uh, so I was really happy that that we have them. I know we've been at it for a little bit. Uh, are you excited for the Texan season? I am, but I'm a little bit on the fence about it too. Cautiously optimistic because Cautiously it's the Texans, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with D'Amico Ryans, he was like the top-rated head coach during the offseason, and everyone's like, he's a, a guy that's going to change things. And then him being with the Texans formerly, he knows everybody already. I mean, he knows like the internal people, uh-huh. a lot of them. He knows the owner, at least. There's a lot of good talked about him. And then the moves we made during the draft were pretty interesting with Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud getting them back-to-back. Some people were, you were either like, that's so stupid, or that's like the greatest draft move I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, there's like no in between. Well, yeah, my, I'm fingers crossed on CJ. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't necessarily rate him as, you know, like the Joe Burrow, like I don't, Justin Herbert, like I don't see Josh Allen type. I don't see that, but maybe I'm wrong. Now, the Will Anderson thing, we did pay a steep price to move up. But I think he's going to be awesome. I think he's going to be an immediate yeah. plug-in-and-play kind of guy. He's going to be amazing. CJ, we don't know. Like, we, yeah. with, with quarterbacks in general, you never know. Like, Tom Brady was like sixth-round pick. Sixth pick. Yeah. Like, you never know with quarterbacks. And then there's first-round picks that have been bummed, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, you just never know. But with Did, defensive players, I think it's more easier to tell, like, that guy's going to destroy everybody. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah the, the characteristics uh, really, like, they shoot off the screen when you're watching them, yeah. right? You I mean, like, just... that guy's hitting that guy like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, give me a quick Texans record prediction. Um, I have him either going six max wins, six and 11, or if we're lucky, they go, like, eight. Eight and nine. Okay. So either like they're gonna do okay and it's still gonna be rough because they're still new. Everybody's new. Coach is new. All the coaches are new. All the players. They pretty much started over. There was a period where they were just picking up free agents here and there for like twenty players, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I've never actually seen a team like completely wipe the slate clean and start over. But that's also like there's gonna be growing pains because everyone's new, new system, new coach, everything's new. So realistically, they're probably gonna win six games. Okay. And then if we're lucky and everything clicks, they they could be middle pack. Yeah. I just want to see a Texans Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. In my I, lifetime. <laughs> I think I think you and the entire the entire city. So you know, from listening to you, you think they're about a year away from actually challenging for the playoffs? 
I would say two. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And you're, prob- you're probably right. You're probably right. All right, we're about to kind of wrap this up. Some quick hitters here. Uh, these are just rapid fire, okay? For dinner guests, past or present, if you got to go to dinner. I'm a huge, like, fan of actors. Okay. So Leonardo DiCaprio is my favorite actor. I think he's just awesome. interesting. And he's, I don't know if he's a method actor, but he's, like, up there. I, I think he has done some method acting before. And uh, I think he'd just be interesting to hang out with. <laughs> okay. And then um, I would say Quentin Tarantino now. Okay, excellent. <laughs> just because he's worked a lot with Leo, and I don't know. They, have, they probably have a lot of interesting stories to say. Okay. Man, I don't know if I want Altuve or J.J. I want, I want, I want a Houston sports legend there. You can have both of them. That'll be your other two spots. <laughs> both of them. Oh, I had um, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. Okay. All right. <laughs> Iron Maiden was my favorite band growing up, so he was a big inspiration i'm a metallica guy but my best friend's a iron iron maiden uh super fan and i've i've seen a, a few shows with them it's been amazing they're amazing um favorite places to eat in houston i don't really go to like a lot of restaurants honestly so i'm just gonna say papa's barbecue okay yeah, that's simple. yeah that's fine I, i'm asking you what your favorite <laughs> is you know and let's end on this because i think we're going to talk about this a little bit uh if you could change the one one result of one game in Houston sports history, what would it be? Game seven, 2019 World Series. You 100%. <laughs> That's the only answer. That is the absolute only answer. You know, people talk about Oilers-Buffalo. That's a wild card game. People talk about the Rockets and the Warriors. That was a, a conference finals. This was all the marbles at home with your guy. I mean... It was an amazing season, too. We had the two no-hitters. We had the combined no-hitter plus Justin Verlander. We had Garrett Cole. Verlander won a Cy Young. I mean, that was the introduction of Jordan Alvarez. Um, crazy, crazy. It was just an absolute amazing season, and it, it des- that season deserved to end with a championship. It did. That was probably the best Astros team of all time. I agree. And I think they're better than any of the Astros teams ever put together. The 2019 sucks. Astros were It sucks were that they didn't get anything from it. Yeah, I know. But I don't know. Do you blame A.J. Hinch, though? Because a lot of people do. Yeah, they do because they feel like Grinky would have just gotten out of it. But, like, you know, that was the third time through the lineup. And I've thought yeah. about this a lot. <laughs> it was the third <laughs> time through the lineup. And, you know, I don't know. But the one thing I, where I do blame uh, Hinch was, they, he had used Harris a lot. Yeah. And I think they had seen him too many times. His arm was absolutely gassed. You know, maybe you go to Cole there. I don't know. There was, there was, a, lot, there was a lot of what ifs. But the bottom line was this. We were up 2 nothing. We should have won that game. We were like nine outs away. And it just, it all fell apart. Because as a sports fan, I know that we've won the World Series and all that. I will tell you. When we won game five in Washington, being down 0-2 to coming home 3-2, that was the most excited I have ever been as a yeah. sportsman. I mean, two games at home to win the World Series. And I thought we were in, I, I think everybody thought like, oh, it's over. It's in the bag. Yeah. But damn, neither team won a, a game at home yeah. that year. And, and you know, both of those games, even game six and game seven, were super frustrating because I think we were up in both of them and then they just fell apart. I know. You know, because the scores weren't close. They were like 7-2, 6-2 or something yeah. like that. I mean, but, but again, all those runs were scored at the end. 
And yeah. just the fact that it was an upset too, like that was a weren't they a wild card team that yeah. we were facing? Mm-hmm. Man, that's so crazy. Yeah, they beat the Dodgers. Remember? <sighs> they just had it. I mean, it was just meant to be for them. I that guess. Year. I guess. You know, I look back at that and I think, you know, I remember thinking before Game Six when Strasburg pitched, and I said. The worst thing that could happen is Strasburg goes eight innings and shuts us down, and that's exactly what that's exactly what uh, happened. And then Scherzer was just dominant game seven. Yeah. But again, we got to him. We got to him, you know, and we had a chance. But yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Here we are, four years later, and still like, talking about it. We're still talking about and it. And we just came off a World Series win, and we're still yeah. talking about it <laughs> because that's the one that hurts. Yeah, that's the one that hurts the most. Because even in you know, I had an interesting talk with my with my friend. He's like, none of us talk about 2021 because for whatever reason, we were just never in that World Series. Yeah. Like from the first pitch, we weren't in you it. You could tell. I mean, they looked like they weren't even there. The players looked like they weren't there. We just weren't in it. I don't know. Just yeah, it was, wasn't our year. It was completely It was completely weird because like for whatever reason, I just accept that result. But yeah. I cannot accept 2019. It's because of the caliber of the team. They were, just, they were too good to lose that. Yeah. Like they shouldn't have lost that. I mean that just the the pitching staff alone with Cole Grinky Verlander, it was know, crazy. McCullers. We had like three pitchers with like one ERA. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> and, and and we had we had a, a had that solid bullpen even with the controversial Osuna being the closer. I mean, it's it still it was just one of those uh, one of those things. I, and let me ask you, do you think you'll ever get over it? I don't know. I say I am. <laughs> but, uh, talking about it right now just kind of, oh, it pisses me off a little bit. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Well, Daniel, let me tell you, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Um, it, it, we touched on a number of subjects. You, you were very informative about, uh, you know, graphic design, motion design, things that me and particularly the audience are, are not very well versed in. So I do want to, I want to thank you for your insight and, and everything that you provided for us. And I really enjoyed the, uh, the, the Houston sports discussion and uh, I look forward to us doing it again. Yeah, it was fun. I, I thank you.